Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, May 31st, 2015. It is six in the morning. <laughs> I have a family reunion type thing to go to today. So I am recording YNR chat way too early. <laughs> way too early. My brain is not even firing on all of its pistons right now, but I, I wanted to come on and make sure I at least had a, 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 a small opportunity to talk about the show. But it's so early. It's 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 too early for, for any lady to be seen on camera. <laughs> so there is no video component <laughs> to this week's YNR chat. You'll have to imagine me. You just have the, the dulcet tones of my voice and you can imagine me I'm I'm uh well if you watch the video I'm sitting on the couch behind where the the video usually is and I'm wrapped in the the afghan that you usually see the the orange and green and yellow afghan so I am all snuggled up on the couch in the very early mornings and I wanted to have a chance to talk especially this week about Nikki I really have been annoyed throughout the 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 devolution of her uh drinking but you know and I've talked about it a million different times that it just seemed like so overplayed to me to see Nikki's longing looks at the bottle longing looks over at the tray of glasses the Nikki alcoholism storyline has been overplayed for so long but I really enjoyed this focus on her and I kind of think in some ways it was what I needed to see all along because just have you know just the same old oh the liquor hitting her lips and her closing closing her eyes and taking a drink you know that that had just gotten old to me but I really felt like we were able to open up and crawl inside of this woman and where she is in her life right now because Nikki hasn't had a whole lot of focus as she said she's always she's been there lately just to be the matriarch uh, of the family to be uh, victor's uh, the the yin to victor's yang and that's really been what her focus um has has been over well uh, certainly since Catherine has has uh, died and i guess that was uh, over a year ago now so it was um really interesting to to zero in on her a little bit and as the week started i i i thought that the drunkenness was kind of funny i almost thought for, for you know that ynr was going in a little more of a comical d- direction because, and i know that's probably an odd reaction to have but i just something about nikki being a slutty drunk picking up guys at the bar that was almost a little funny to me i couldn't believe what i was seeing and they played it though i guess you know probably the in large part the reason why i was viewing it that way was because melody thomas scott was so convincing i mean i really believed that she was drunk and that's not an easy thing to play i'm sure and she really nailed it and you know the fact that she she's telling everybody i don't need you i just need you know this bottle and i need walt i don't know what that guy's name was but i'm gonna call him walt (laughs) 
Is that what it was? Something like that. Uh, but she, she ends up like picking up this guy at the bar and Neil is trying to save her from this, the fate that sort of became uh, of him. Neil uh, had just gone through having to realize that his actions during his drinking cost Paul and Christine their child. And Nikki was there to support him through all that. And he wanted to be there to support her. And he was trying so hard to, to stop Nikki from doing something that she was going to regret, especially with this guy at the bar. Neil actually punches the guy and old Nikki waddles over to Walt and she's like hey are you okay baby it was so bizarre and it just felt like borderline funny to me and 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 just straight up hilarious and and I don't I don't know why I don't know why I had that reaction but um Gosh, it sure changed. It really did change because as it, you know, as it turned, it started off on kind of almost a light note. But then we saw Nikki hooking up with this guy again. I mean, Neil ended up getting arrested over punching him. She she somehow finds this guy and invites him back to her hotel room. And to me, that's where the storyline took a term, turn where I was like, wow, this isn't funny anymore. This isn't lighthearted at all. Nikki is becoming bed buddies with this guy. And I, I guess the idea of that was so shocking to me. That Nikki Newman would go out in this drunken state and hook up with this, I mean, who knows what this guy's story is, but that she would hook up with some random guy was really almost revolting to me. I felt so uncomfortable by the attention that she started giving him and the fact that she woke up the next day still in her dress in the bed rolls over and old Walt is laying there next to her. Nikki got so drunk that she blacked out and had sags, presumably. I mean, I don't know. Then again, she was still clothed. So maybe that wasn't, I don't know. What did you guys get of that? I don't know. I sort of, in my head, thought that maybe they did end up having sex. Maybe maybe I'll go with the best case scenario and assume that they passed out together. They were both still in their clothes, right? So maybe that wasn't it. Um, like I said, it's early. I'm still processing. But, um, but yeah, it was, there was just something about it that was so, um, if it didn't happen, then it could have happened. It, she could have easily ended up having sex with that guy. She could have easily ended up getting hurt. It really ramped up kind of the, 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 the danger element. You know, she she blacked out and did something that she couldn't remember. And Neil comes into her hotel room. He once again finds Walt there, throws him out, and Nikki is absolutely refusing to believe that she has a problem even at this point. She's rejecting any help that Neil is trying to give her. And she even has security escort him right out of her hotel room. It's the tables have turned so drastically because it was Nikki driving him to a meeting uh, on that that fateful evening, and now she refuses to accept his help in return. So Neil, with a little bit of Victor's help, with a little bit of the family's help, is able to com- he's able to convince everyone to stage this intervention with Nikki. 
And um, she shows up at the house, wasn't expecting anybody to be there, of course, and slowly starts to realize that everybody's there to confront her. And what you know, kind of uh, what ensued was this, what I think was a quite an excellent episode on Thursday. It's It started out with Nikki in, oh my gosh, in this all white um, dress, beautiful, perfect hair. And in the scene was very washed out and, and brightened almost to the point of uh, hard to look at the screen. It was so bright, but she's in this white, white place and there's this sexy 70s beard and feathered hair, Chris Christopherson looking angel there talking to her and leading her through the entire episode. And Nikki is not sure where she is. She feels lost. She assumes that maybe she's going through detox or something, but she knows that she doesn't feel herself and she's struggling to kind of remember how she got here, what all led up to this point. So the episode started with that and then backtracked us to the point where she walked in the door at the ranch, everyone in the family is there and they're staging this intervention. I am so glad that this episode happened because it's one thing to just have these um, little isolated scenes of Nikki drinking and hiding it and it's another thing to actually focus on what the process uh, is that an alcoholic goes through and not only that, but focusing on the process of, of, of what the family goes through. I loved that scene alone of everyone at the ranch. You know, Nikki completely resistant to it, which is, I mean, of course, the alcoholic is going to try to escape the room, and she, she did, but everybody in her life is gathered there together. Neil is hosting and trying to keep it from getting into uh, you know, a situation where everybody's blaming Nikki or or uh, having her feel judged. But uh, Neil is encouraging everyone to just one by one talk to her and help tell her how they feel about the fact that she's drinking again. And in so many ways, it's like I just kind of came to this realization that, you know, the alcoholism does not just affect the person who's drinking, but it really does affect the entire family, anybody that loves that person. And I'm, I can't imagine that there's any viewer out there that hasn't had some touch point with that. I know that I have. And so I really connected in with it in a way that I hadn't before. And in terms of the show, I really connected in with the emotional elements of Nikki, 100%. Cannot even, I cannot even uh, applaud Melody Thomas Scott's performance enough. It was incredible. I enjoyed her journey. Even I enjoyed her journey from uh, the beginning of the week where it felt almost lighthearted. And I enjoyed the journey all the way through to the end where I was drenched in tears. And I enjoyed m- more than I was expecting the all of the emotional elements from everyone else in the room. These are the emotional elements that I have been needing to see. These are the connections I've been needing to make. I mean, Noah and Summer were there. I have not had a heart. I have not had, excuse me, an easy time 
connecting with those two characters. And in fact, when I saw that Noah and Summer were in the room at the intervention, I kind of thought, ugh, blah, why? I really wish that they weren't even there. It's got to be even more humiliating for Nikki to stand there and have, and, and ha- you know, have, have these people talk so openly and honestly about her personal problem in front of the grandchildren. I was annoyed that Noah and Summer were there, but I will say through, throughout the course, it was, I, I was able to connect in with both those characters. I mean, I have barely cared for the last month or two that Noah lost his fiance and that Summer lost her husband. Uh, YNR has certainly done plenty to focus on the fact that Summer lost her husband, but Noah, uh, who cares? I mean, we saw him lose his fiance and the, the initial scene and then maybe two other scenes to follow up on what his grief must feel like. Well, that's not digging into a character. That doesn't help me connect with him. And for the first time, when all of the um, family members were telling Nikki how they felt, I actually looked into Noah his eyes and I, I I felt that he was sad I felt that he, you know that he was missing something and, and and wanting to have that comfort of his family around him and I just I don't think it's the uh, I don't think it's necessarily uh, the actor or actress's fault, Summer Noah, that um, that I've been having trouble connecting in with them. I really do think it's that Weiner is not taking the time to really develop them, and I would have I would have I, I liked to have seen that a little bit sooner than now. But I, I was glad that it was there, and that's just one instance. Uh, Victoria and Nick. Nikki's son and daughter have been almost completely absent from her life. From the time that she started drinking, uh, at around the time Catherine died, all the way up through until today. Nick and Victoria have barely been there. We've barely seen any scenes of them comforting her or asking her. In fact, this is the first time that I really even got a sense of, of Nick and Victoria getting involved in other than maybe a conversation or here and there at all. So it was good to actually see Nick and Victoria going through their process of how they feel about watching their mother go through this, go from being, you know, from, you know, wanting her to be strong and feeling good and, and all, you know, getting dragged all the way down. And not only that, but using or justifying her drinking uh, by saying that, well, my children aren't happy. That's one of the reasons why I'm drinking. I mean, throughout the whole thing, Nikki was definitely trying to excuse herself. Well, the reason I'm drinking is because my children aren't happy, my marriage isn't happy, my friends aren't happy, and that's causing me to drink, which, of course, we all know is just an excuse. And so I really think this was the first time that we got, that Nick and Victoria got to have that glimpse inside of what, uh, you know, what was really going on inside the mind of their mother. It was a great scene. Even (laughs) fake Jack had his moment of humanity, and it was, it was believable. Um, it was difficult to watch everyone else one by one take that moment to really express, and then to see Victor clam up. I mean, when it got around to Victor's chance to talk to her, he didn't really say anything. He said, well, anything he did say was nothing he hasn't said a million times before. It was really cold. It was really distant. I shouldn't be surprised. But he gave nothing. You know, he gave nothing. So, 
Nikki stands up. She says, you know what? I've done. I've fulfilled my part of this deal. I have listened to everything that every single one of you have said. And now it's time for me to get up and take a drink. And she walks over to the bar. She pours herself a drink, which I have seen her do so many times and not cared about it. But this time I was like, don't do it. And she just lifts her glass and says, cheers. And she goes, and and that moment right before too, where she looked at, you know, uh, somebody said to her, don't do this in front of your grandchildren. And she just goes, you know what, grandchildren? shame on me. Don't do as I do. Shame on me. And she just takes the glass almost to her lips and then it crashes onto the floor. She like faints and collapses onto the back of the couch. Everyone is going, what's wrong? Call 911. And the next thing we know, it's like to white again. She's still narrating uh, with Angel in in the white space in heaven, presumably. Uh, And we all of a sudden are transported to the hospital where one by one, all of her family members are walking out into the hall tears in their eyes and talking about how they couldn't save her that they they're in shock can't they cannot believe that this is the end she is dead and Nikki is in the room as a ghost and she's trying to talk to to everyone and saying it's fine it's fine I'm here you know kind of almost in that uh oh what's the name of that (laughs) that classic I guess a Christmas carol is that what it is um you know, she's saying, you know, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I've kind of learned my lesson. You know, is that me in there? Like she, it's starting to kind of dawn on her. Uh, and, and she's listening to what each and every one of her family members are saying about her death. Victoria had this really visceral reaction. She was angry with her mother. And by the way, I forgot to mention that during the intervention scene, I loved that Victoria called Nikki out about the fact that she almost dropped her baby. Yeah, that was bad. It was bad. And Nikki lied about it. She tried to play it off as, oh, I was just really exhausted that day. No, you were drunk. Victoria knew it. And now, you know, or you knew you knew it. And now I know it. And so that kind of explained Victoria's reaction at the hospital. She was like, you know, mom chose the liquor over us. And so that, you know, she was having the angry reaction. Whereas, for instance, Dylan was saying, you know, I wish I could have done something. I wish I would have got to know her better. Um, And I like that scene of walking out of the hospital room because it represented the range of emotions that you might feel losing someone uh, like that. And, and you know, even Nick had talked in the intervention about uh, the neurological damage, I think it was, or physiological damage that uh, she already has because of her MS and how this could have physical, uh, rep- you know, the drinking could also have physical repercussions. And it, it certainly did. I mean, whatever the presumption was, I don't know that she had had, I'm not sure if it, it was... Uh, presumed that she had had a heart attack or a stroke or I'm not sure what it was but in the end she's dead she's just watching this scene unfold though I loved I mean you know me you know me I gotta try but um I loved seeing you know flashed over to Victor the man will find any window in any room (laughs) to stare out of I mean 
how many, how many, many, probably hours at this point have we watched scenes of that man just staring through the blinds, out onto the world, wishing he could control it, thinking that he can, but for a while, realizing that he can't. I was so glad. I wonder if that was an Eric Braden thing. I wonder if he probably made him build a window just for that. But, you know, you could, you could see Victor having just lost the love of his life, the only woman that's ever stood by him, the woman that supported him when he was bad, when he was good, and it was more bad than it was good, and the lights just coming in on his face, and, you know, it's it was just an incredible, incredible scene, and, and Nikki is wandering around, going from person to person, watching everyone leave the hospital, realizing that now they're going to have to move on without her. I mean, she, it slowly started to dawn on her, and it represented the transformation that, uh, that Nikki Nikki was at that the, the character was actually going to go through because she's really I mean in the course of three episodes she went you know from uh from you know d- completely drunk and justifying to at the end having her recovery um so as everyone uh, left uh, left the hospital she peeked into the hospital room that they had come out of and they, oh my gosh, there was this scene where they wheeled a body out of the room with just this little tuft of blonde hair, you know, peeking out from from the sheet, that, the white sheet that was placed over it. And Nikki now uh, is having this uh, moment of facing her own mortality and seeing it and comprehending it in a way that, you know, visually and emotionally that she hadn't really before. I mean, I think probably cognitively Nikki realized that drinking could cause her death, but now she's standing there staring at it, you know, almost in the face. And I felt, I mean, it was, I, it was very impactful to me as well as the funeral scene. Her, everyone in the family uh, goes, uh, piles and the or not well they kind of drift into the whatever the the funeral outside by the gravestone I mean I mean looking at Nikki's gravestone Nicole Newman there right right in 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 uh, marble or whatever the thing's made out of I mean it was impactful the beautiful flowers around it and just I I I felt like oh my gosh this feels like it could be the death of Nikki Newman. I knew that it wasn't. I knew that the, that obviously she wasn't going to be dead, but I, I don't know. I just, I got in this little car that they called Thursday's episode, and I just was along for the ride. I just completely immersed myself in it. I wept. I mean, I wept. <laughs> I wept. I don't know if it was me, if it just hit me in the right on the right day in the right spot. I'm not sure, but I just cried. So I cried to the point my eyes were puffy. I mean, it was my you know I got like slobber and tears and can't even breathe anymore. But I I just was so impacted by this um, Nikki standing there at her own graveside. You know, people saying what needs to be said, and uh, one by one they file away except Victor and Victor has this realization that he had a chance to maybe say something that would 
have changed the course, have, have saved her life at the intervention, and he didn't do it. And he just stands there, and he's he's crying. I mean, you know, they, they started playing the YNR music. There's another score that they use. It's not the YNR theme song, but there's this other one that they that they play, and it's just, I'm, I'm, it's Pavlovian for me. I heard the music, and I was, oh, 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 and Victor crying. Oh, it was, just, it was everywhere. I mean, I felt so bad. He's down on one knee, uh, talking about how Nikki was the love of his life. And he even said, you know, we fight all the time, but we love each other. And I, you know, I, I believe that, you know, and, and no, no one ever understands why I defend Victor Newman. I have this constant need to defend him. And I had, refer, you know, referred to him um, in uh, several weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, as, you know, you know, in my mind, he's sort of the hero of the story, in part because he was right front and center when I started watching the show in 93. And so I think I, I grabbed onto that Victor Newman character and I, I think have always tried to make an attempt to understand him and see things through his point of view, long probably past since the point where I should have. But, you know, I, I don't see Victor as a hero in a traditional sense of, you know, he's got, you know, he's got a white knight. I mean, no, he's, he's, he's the flawed, uh, pr- uh, protagonist of the story. Maybe protagonist is a better word to describe it. I don't necessarily look up to Victor and, and think that, oh, he always does everything right. He, he's the dark knight. And there's something, you know, I've, I've always just kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, have you ever, not ever loved someone that you didn't entirely understand that they do why they do? Have you ever loved someone who maybe couldn't tell you that they loved you back and, and, and just it was maybe so damaged that they um, did other, they tried to do other things to express it to you, but it was never really um, direct. That's kind of, like, that's what I get from Victor. I've experienced something similar. Um, and, and so watching him there at the graveside was, um, again, I, I connected with him in that moment. Um, and it was, it was really sad. She, you know, sees him there. Uh, they, she's still there trying to talk to him, even though he can't necessarily hear her, but I got a sense of that love, uh, of, you know, we don't always get along and, um, you know, we're, we're horrible to each other half the time, but, you know, there is no doubt that we love each other. Everything else is debatable. Um, but, but certainly these two people do love each other. And it seemed as though, Nikki was going through her transformation, her realization uh, of of um, uh, of the fact that she needed to get better. The whole scene uh, transformed um, from uh, from the graveside into maybe one last time in the white space, and uh, then uh, Nikki transformed uh, into herself, sitting inside of a doctor's office. And we realized that Angel, the the the, the guy who was in the the white space uh, is actually a counselor, and um, and 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 she's just kind of telling her story to him and he's listening and and maybe that's his maybe that's was the intake you know she's obviously checked herself into rehab and this is her intake um and uh, he's telling her you know what i think we can help you i think i think you're gonna get better and i'm you know assuming that that's signaling a change in nikki's character it needed to happen i'm glad it happened and i hope it sticks. I got a sense by the end of that episode that Nikki's going to rehab, she's going to stay in rehab, and that even though it's going to always be a struggle, that she has had a significant transformation, uh, a significant and real transformation. 
<laughs> I only wish <laughs> that Victor would have had uh, a transformation along with it. You know, thinking back at that scene on the, the graveside, it's like, uh, he seemed to come to uh, a realization that he had, you know, had not helped her as much as he should have. It, it kills me, though, that his transformation was only in her dreams. Well, so I guess Kelly is completely dead. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know that the actress was leaving the show, but apparently, I mean, I guess the writing was on the wall in retrospect. You can't really bring a character back after all of the bad things that she's done. I mean, it's kind of like the soap opera kiss of death <laughs> that she received. So, uh... Goodbye, Kelly. I'm I'm kind of sorry it had to end that way. The actress did a phenomenal job in the end. Um, you know, we had saw her death scene, and then uh, this this week it was revealed that the real Jack is actually a stowaway on a ghost ship on a cocaine ghost ship and he's still I think trying to adjust back to reality he's been beaten he's been starved he's been brainwashed I think he's confused still on some level he had a hallucination of Kelly and she told him you'll never really be rid of me Jack uh, and it, and it, it's, it sort of became clear though throughout the progression of I think that was Friday's episode uh, that even though Jack is free of Kelly, his struggles are not over. I mean, I guess part of me thought that Jack was going to escape and then find his way back to Genoa City right away, and that doesn't seem to be what's going to happen. Um, if, uh, Jack is on this ship. He's discovered that there is some uh, cocaña um, being stowed away in some of the crates, and uh, at the same time, fake Jack, the imposter Marco, is in Genoa City, and it was interesting uh, to see that at Nikki's intervention, there was that moment of humanity there with Marco, you know, saying, you know, we're sort of indicating that he had had some experience with addiction in the past, and in fact, he revealed to Victor, of all people, uh, it oddly seems to be on Victor's side these days, but he revealed to Victor that the uh, the reason he uh, had that reaction at the intervention was because he actually did love an addict at one point, and there was a story of a girl who had been hooked on drugs by some bad guys, and fake Jack and Marco had gone in and rescued her and let her be free, but he uh, obviously had some very powerful enemies. He's some big South American drug lord, and uh, they were constantly after them, I suppose. So he at some point parted with this woman that he loved very much, uh, I think in an effort to save her and keep her away from uh, the bad guys who would love to get a hold of him. Well, meanwhile, real Jack is stowed away on this ship, and the bad guys, the, <laughs> oddly, the, or, or, or coincidentally, those very same bad guys seem to have discovered him, and they've now got him locked up once again in handcuffs, and they're smacking him around and uh, telling him that uh, you know, he owes them money because they think he's Marco in the um, previews for next week's Monday show, I think, there was this woman who also happened to be on the ship who runs into the the, the little cabin that 
Jack is was hiding in and is now being held in. And she runs in. She says, oh, Marco. And she starts kissing on him. And I think I had uh, read something about this casting notice that that uh, whoever this woman is is kind of being brought on in a more permanent way. So uh, I think that old real Jack, whenever he does get back into Genoa City, is going to be bringing this woman, don't know her name yet, but bringing her with him. And that will somehow maybe arc into the... Uh, uh, Marco's story. I'm assuming that's his, that's the woman that he that he was referring to. But I don't know how long we are away from how far we are from when that actually happens. It seems to me that the storyline just took a major tangent. I don't think real Jack is necessarily going to be back in Genoa City anytime soon. I mean, he just got himself uncuffed from some hut in Jamaica or in the Caribbean, wherever he was. Uh, Kelly holding him captive and now he's on a ship. Same thing, handcuffed, tied up. Talk about out of the frying pan and into the fire. You know, it occurred to me this week, maybe Adam never, never plans to return to Genoa City as Adam. Maybe he wants a new life. He's been successful in getting close to Chelsea again, and I really enjoyed the scene on Friday, <laughs> the the lovemaking scene, the chemistry, the pure, raw, awesome chemistry between uh, New Adam and Chelsea. It's it's so good for me. I I I've enough time has passed that I feel like I understand these two characters pretty well, and I just think that the the actors themselves have a, 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 such a good chemistry. Um, so I really enjoyed listening to Adam Coyley trying to convince Chelsea that he should, that, that or Gabriel, I suppose I should say, Gabriel trying to convince Chelsea that he should, pers- that she should pursue a relationship with him, that he's someone who accepts the love that she had for Adam and that he can match it. That he, you know, he, he said, I can't, ever really take Adam's place, but we can form a new connection. And by the way, bonus, I don't have any family. I don't have a controlling father that we would have to worry about. And that's when it dawned on me. I I think Adam has gotten everything he wanted, everything he wants as Gabriel. I mean, I mean if, he, if he has Chelsea and he can get involved back in Connor's life, there's no incentive for him to reveal himself as Adam. The whole His whole identity as Adam has nothing but baggage for him. Baggage from his family, baggage from his past and his actions. So it occurs to me that maybe this is actually a secret that he, he plans to keep long term. Um... They, Adam and Chelsea have just had their love, luscious love-making scene when uh, <laughs> Ashley shows up because Chelsea missed a, a meeting at Jabot. She was getting it on with Gabe, missed a meeting. <laughs> Ashley shows up. Gabe, Chelsea's upstairs taking a post-sex shower, I assume, and Gabe's downstairs shirtless. Um, and it was an odd little interaction between 
Ashley and Gabe. He's he's there shirtless, and Ashley almost seems a little bit attracted to him. She, and in fact, th- there was a couple of points throughout the week that I thought, hmm, I'm really feeling Ashley right now. She's giving me a little little something extra. And then at the very end of Friday's show, there was just this brief little scene where she pff, let a bottle of pills fall out of her purse. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's not a, a la Bold and the Beautiful, what's going on with Maya right now. I hope that those pills aren't uh, estrogen. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that on YNR. But uh, Stitch sees the bottle, says, hey, that's some pretty strong stuff you're taking there. And Ashley just grabs the bottle and says, I'm fine. You know, I can I can handle it in kind of the same way. I don't know. Did we just lose Nikki's addiction and pick up an addiction for Ashley? Uh, I hope not. Um but anyway, so Ashley's all pilled up. That could at least be a little interesting for a while. But, you know, Ashley's kind of on edge. If anybody has a reason to be on edge, it really is Ashley. She's lost everything systematically that she's cared about. And now, uh, fake the Marco, the, her, the imposter brother, gave Chelsea all of Ashley's Funding, so Ashley doesn't even have the ability, you know, any job, any real job to do at Jabot. She's just really lost it all. But I, I, I think um, that scene between Ashley and Adam was interesting. I wonder if she's gonna somehow play into the revelation of his identity. I'm not sure, uh, but Wayne kind of made it look uh, at the end of Friday's show. The very the cliffhanger of the week of, of Friday's show was um, that maybe Adam's identity is about to be revealed, but I question it. I don't know if we're I don't know if this is it or not. But uh, Adam, aka Gabriel, has a conversation with uh, with 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 Marco with Fake Jack, in which he reveals way more than he should have. He thinks he's talking to Jack, and he refers to Victor as my father. And furthermore, goes on to say, you know, we're going to still go ahead with with our plan. We're going to rip this company away from my father, and then you can have it. I just want the revenge. So um, at the very, the very end of Friday's show, Marco takes this information and runs it right to Victor, which, by the way, I thought was an interesting thing, because... A part of me wondered: Is Mar- Is there any chance Marco wants? He could flip sides. You know, this the, all Victor does is calm down on Marco and try to keep him on a tight leash. I'm surprised that Marco's even trying to appease Victor at this point. He could turn around and stab Victor in the back at any minute, but instead he takes this information to Victor. And the cliffhanger was him saying, "Oh, I know." what Gabriel Bingham's real identity is, and presumably he's going to say, he's your son. I don't know if Victor's going to... I mean, and then I think from the previews of Monday's show, Victor starts asking around questions with Sage about uh, about Gabriel's real father. So I don't, I don't think Victor's going to make the connection right away that, uh, that, that it's Adam. I mean, as far as anybody else is concerned, Adam is dead, but I kind of think maybe Victor's wondering if he has another seed out there that he just didn't know about. I just want to say that the whole Austin slash Courtney murder storyline is the most frustrating storyline since who killed 
Diane Jenkins. I don't care. I don't care at all. I've lost it. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not in. <laughs> I'm not in for this story at all. It was entertaining that Tobias showed up at that Jabot Newman party at the beginning of the week and he made this big proclamation. Um, it was like a community theater production in there. Like he hops up on the bar and starts basically chastising the Newmans and the Abbots, and but mo- really, really focused on Victor and uh, Victor's role in all of this. It's uh, and then, of course, there's this car wreck, and Austin ends up dead. Or, excuse me, I guess Austin's already dead. Tobias ends up dead. Tobias goes to the hospital. Just before he flatlines, he says, Austin. That's <laughs> so stupid. It's so freaking stupid. I, I had gotten a voicemail from NippyFan100 earlier in the week, or maybe it was recently, uh, but had kind of mentioned about uh, those fingerprints that Victor had left in the confessional for fake Jack and w- not wanting to forget that those were probably tied to the tire iron, which I think at, at the end of this, somehow Victor's got to be connected into this whole murder mystery. But and, and that's fine. Why not? Victor's connected to everything else. He probably did do it. He, he probably just killed Austin and Courtney. I don't know. I don't care at this point. Um, I kind of just want it to be over because I find myself really zoning out. I'm tired of every single week there's some new suspect and it never turns out to be the person that actually is behind all of this. This storyline is getting dragged out. It feels like everything is a red herring and I'm ready for it to be over. How pregnant is Sage? Like six weeks? You don't go around telling everybody that you're pregnant when you just found out. Nick and Sage have a meeting this week to tell Faith that Sage is pregnant. And oopsie, Sharon accidentally drops the secret. Totally not on purpose, but she drops it before they actually get a chance to tell Faith. Um, Sharon walks in and says, oh, Faith, are you excited to be a new big sister? And Faith's like, oh, you're pregnant, mommy? That was certainly humiliating, but enjoyable. Um, And it caused a little bit of friction in there between Sage and Nick, too. I just, I, I, you know, I, I like Sage. I like the actress who plays her, I think, more than anything. But I, on the list of things that I feel irritated about. I, I I don't like that Nick and Sage's relationship is moving so fast, and I certainly don't like that they're already having a child together. There is a part of me that is starting to distrust Sage. Um, I don't know, there, there have been a lot of uh, points throughout the week where Nick or somebody else was giving Sage a warning about being now involved in the the Newman clan. Nick had said something about, um, you know, well, are you sure you want to be part of this family? Or, you know, you're now involved with our family. And then there was a separate scene where Billy talked to her, or had mentioned something about, oh, well, now you're, you know, me and you have something in common. Uh, we are both carrying Victor Newman's grandchildren. And there have just been a couple of little interactions between Victor and Sage where I kind of thought, 
I wonder if there's any chance they knew each other before. Um, is there any chance Sage is on Victor's payroll? I would say probably yes, there's a chance at, at the very least. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it, it throws into question their entire relationship for me. I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily want Sage to end up being the bad guy, but something about her at this point is raising my red flags. I think, I don't know, she might be an opportunist at the very least. Avery comes home from Chicago this week and she finds Dylan in her apartment picking up some of his things. That relationship is over and there is a part of me that feels really sad about it. I I enjoyed Avery and Dylan's relationship. It was at least a relationship that felt like it had some history. It felt like it had some time to develop. And I really sympathized with Avery, you know, realizing that her relationship is over and that Dylan is totally with Sharon now. Can we just please take a moment to let's be real. I know this is soap opera time, and I know that there are a lot of Sharon and Dylan fans out there, and I'm not saying that I don't enjoy Sharon and Dylan, but let's have a reality check here moment. It's probably been like 48 hours <laughs> in, in Genoa City since Avery and Dylan broke up, and Dylan and Sharon are a complete couple now. That has got to hurt. How can you not sympathize with Avery? I'm not saying she's blameless. I'm not saying that what she did with Joe was was a good idea, but it's got to hurt a little bit, right? And I don't know how I couldn't, uh, I can't forget that the Dylan and Sharon thing just kind of got rushed. It feels to me like all of a sudden, Dylan and Sharon are just together, and all of a sudden, Avery and Joe are just together. YNR took so much time to evolve Dylan and Avery's relationship. They took so much time to pull it apart, and now they're just in separate relationships, and it doesn't feel built up for me at all. Avery is um, to, you know, she's just since Dylan's out of her house and Joe's needing to leave the recovery facility or the rehab facility, she's completely integrating him into her life. She's offered to let Joe stay at her apartment. So she's, you know, she's she's living with Joe now. And there was this stupid scene where they fall, you know, she falls on top of him onto the couch. <laughs> and that was so annoying to me. I feel annoyed by the fact that these relationships are just there now. Um, it's, it's just too quick. I guess it's my fault. It's, it just feels like, you know, Avery out, Sharon in. Dylan out, Joe in. It's just, okay, okay. <laughs> and it, it doesn't help that there's that element of manipulation. Uh, first in the, in the week, uh, Avery wheeled <laughs> Joe up to the rooftop bar for some sun. Get some sun on those legs. And they happened to run into Sharon and Dylan there, too. And uh, Joe and Sharon had a, a little interaction where Joe said, yeah, this is kind of seeming like it's working out for you and I. Let's, uh, let's not let Dylan and Avery end up getting back together. This is going real well for you and I. Why don't we just make sure that this, uh, that this is the permanent arrangement. So we start to get this sense from Joe that he's manipulating there, and then later in the episode, they go back to Avery's apartment, and Joe reveals that he's, surprise, surprise, he's standing pretty good all on his own. <laughs> uh, 
Joe knows exactly what he's doing. He got exactly um, what he wanted. Now, the big, the, 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 it is not surprising to me that he can walk better than he's revealing. It is surprising to me that there's a new casting note that Jessica Collins is out as Avery. She's going to be exiting the show this summer. And in fact, there was something in the article said something about how she was originally supposed to exit in some horror, I think they called it hideous way, um, and, and the, the head writer was forced to rewrite it. So I don't know what that means. That's all the information I have. She was out, uh, she's leaving the show, and it was going to be bad, but then they had to rewrite her exit. Why is she exiting anyway? I know, I know, I know. Now, a lot of people don't like Avery. It's surprising to me because I, I don't know, I like her. I, I mean, maybe she's not the most exciting character on the planet, but I like that she's, uh, you know, she's got her moral compass. I like that she's passionate about her job. I like she's passionate about helping people. I even liked her little cooking show. I thought she was quirky. I think the actress is good. And I think that the um, the character is good. And Wyanar has kind of built a lot around her. It seemed, I don't know, it seemed like they brought her on, uh, brought Avery's character on to give Phyllis someone to interact and, and you know, at, at the time, uh, spar with. And they built her her own set. And she was deeply involved with all the characters, Nick, and and you know she's in the in the opening credits. She's in the the little uh, segment that they do at the halfway point of the show. She's done a lot of uh, press on behalf of YNR. She seemed like a main character. She seemed like a darling, like a YNR's darling to me. Like uh, like they really wanted her, really wanted to build focus around her, and they did. And now all of a sudden she's out. Now I guess I'm assuming that uh, the actress didn't have anything to do with it. I, I think I tend to be skeptical sometimes. Anytime I hear lately that someone's leaving the show, it's like, well, why in our, why did why in our have to get rid of them? And it's certainly possible that the actress decided on her own that she wanted to leave the show. Um, so, I, so I don't know if that's the case or not, but I, I don't know. You guys can let me know how you feel about uh, Avery uh, being go- gone and leaving the show. I'm sad about it, but if you're, if you're happy and ready to rejoice, <laughs> either way, leave me a comment and let me know. Okay, I am going to scan through some comments this week. Usually, I, I pick them out and group them together so that I can talk about like storylines at the same time. But since I'm running a little short on time, I am just going to kind of scroll through comments and uh, read a few uh, let's see. You know, actually, first I want to say thank you to everybody who gave me lots of kudos for the seven-year YNR chat anniversary. It really means so much to me, and I'm thrilled to see so many people saying I've been watching for all seven years, I've been watching for three years, all the way down to I've only been watching for three months, so... Or listening. Uh, so it's really, really cool to hear from you guys. And thank you so much for all of the positivity. Uh, I mean, I really do feed a lot from just in general, your, you know, your uh, emotion and the fact that you're feeding back and leaving comments really helps fuel me to, to continue on because there are definitely some days. I mean, it's, it's early. I should be very tired. <laughs> 
<laughs> but there's just something about knowing that you guys are out there and you're listening and you're connecting and that you're taking the time to leave me comments that makes me you know want to just keep marching straight ahead so thank you everybody for your awesome comments um i love you so much okay let's see <laughs> jennifer budin on youtube says i am loving dylan and sharon very much uh you know i want to hear from some people who are loving the dylan and the sharon um I feel like I've I've heard a lot of different people um, at different points talking about whether they like them or not. But I want to definitely hear from the people that are getting into it a little bit more this week because I want to get into it. Because I'm finding myself rolling my eyes a little bit here and there. <laughs> only because it feels so quick and uh, maybe even a little bit forced. So, um, so please, if you're a Dylan and Sharon fan, convince me. <laughs> uh, Samuel Childers on YouTube says, everything on YNR looks too much like AMC. The nightclubs, Jabot, Newman, the houses, and the whole damn city looks like Pine Valley. And everybody's acting like a, a knockoff of the cast of All My Children. Um, I never thought it was a good show, and it got even worse as it ended. Please someone come in and save this damn show um you know i never saw all my children but i do but i connected i'm connecting with this comment because it does feel like you know the nightclubs and all that it does feel like it's a little less highbrow maybe than it than it used to be and again i never saw all my children so i can't really speak to that but i i do sense kind of a shift in the storylines the writing of the show as well as um the cast and the um the the overall look of the show. Um, I saw somebody else said something about that here. See, this is why I like to get my uh, comments together um, in the very beginning so that I could have them be a little bit more uh, connected. Oh, well, I thought somebody else said something. Oh, I did. Here it is. Um, Bobby Thompson on, uh, uh, Facebook says, you know, Allie, I like it when YNR films in unique ways, when they try new camera angles and visual tricks. It's always a pleasant surprise. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but there were some good, interesting fade-ins, layering audio tricks in, in the Nikki episode, uh, which is a good thing, I think. I like that comment, too, um, because I, I think, and I'm thinking all also to a comment that Gary had made uh, in a voicemail earlier in the week about how stylistically YNR has always been different from the other soaps, even since the very beginning. And I remember when I started watching YNR, uh, <laughs> there was this book that had recently been published. It was called the Ultimate YNR book. I think I should show it on camera one of these days. And it talked a lot about the history up until that point. And that helped me kind of understand a lot of the uh, the 20 years of YNR that had been happening before I had ever started watching it. And one of the things they talked a lot about was that um, YNR had uh, always been lauded because it was visually different from the other soaps. It looked more dark. Uh, it looked more noir. It actually looked like a movie set as opposed to, you know, the bright, um, the soap opera, you know, typical soap opera that you would get. And I, and now I can see that we certainly do still have a lot of that dark lighting, but you know, the, the, the nightclubs, um, <laughs> the, you know, everything being a restaurant, uh, I guess the, it, it is a little over 
overboard. I, I do like the rooftop bar set, though. I think that's a good, uh, that's a good bright set. And I also appreciated the fade effects and the different camera angles and stuff that we saw during the Nikki episode. Um, it was unique, and I really like it when they try to mix things up a little bit in that way. Oh, let's see, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, a lot of people saying um, that Katie McLean is no longer with the show and that it's the end of Kelly. How does everybody feel about that? I mean, is anybody not happy that she's leaving? Uh, I think the character kind of took a nosedive, so I think a lot of us disconnected there for a little bit. But I'd love to hear from some Katie McLean fans. Uh, rocks, 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 Grace on YouTube says that Detective Harding is coming back in early June. So that's got that's got to be like next week. Oh, please. That would be good. That that could be just the thing that could get me interested in this stupid murder storyline again. So I am so for that. Does that mean that we're going to be coming toward the end of this madness? That would be incredible. Um, I had a couple people mention last week I had said, what were Hillary and Devon even doing at that Jabot Newman party? Um, And for love of beauty and have my cake both let me have it and said, well, (laughs) uh, Hillary does work for for Jabot and Devon owned the place. (laughs) So I know I forgot that. Um, For love of beauty says, in regard to Hillary and Devon being at the party, I was confused at first as to why they were there. And then I remembered Hillary does work for Jabot. It just does feel like she kind of dropped off of that um off of you know really being there all the time I kind of forgot about that too um let's see um uh, Anna called into my voicemail and said uh that maybe Nikki and Neil should get together while Nikki and Victor are taking their inevitable break which they surely will um so (laughs) I I thought I'd toss that out to the crowd too to see what you guys think about a possible Nikki and Neil relationship I you know I think I would I'd be open to testing of that. I'd be open if uh, Y&R decided to maybe have a, after Nikki's recovered, of course, maybe a flirty comment here or there, see how it lands, and and see if that might be something that we would like. Uh, um, My only aversion to that would be that I, I, I really am appreciating Nikki and Neil's Friendship and and Nikki's gonna owe Neil a big I'm sorry at the end of all of this rehab stuff because she has treated him horribly for someone who was really trying to help her. And I think I would be a little sad to see the friendship go south if a relationship happened and and didn't work out because you know ultimately she can only ever love Victor. She can only ever really, really want Victor. So, um, it's it could be an interesting pairing though. I don't know. Um, Gary made me laugh uh, in a voicemail. He said jokingly, well, I assume we're going to have a late-in-life pregnancy for Nikki, (laughs) which made me laugh because I was thinking of the exact same thing when she woke up in bed with that guy. I was like, oh, she's going to be pregnant now. (laughs) Um, And uh, Gary also had mentioned uh, regarding the intervention episode that what it really needed um, was a a guest appearance from the great... Catherine Chancellor, and I was thinking the exact 
thing too. I'm a little surprised that maybe that Nikki didn't mention it or even a line about, you know, Catherine's gone through this too or or something that seemed to be a, what would have been a logical um, connection to have been made and it wasn't. A little, I think that's a little bit of a disappointment. But yeah, the the episode made me think about Catherine. Can you even imagine? Like in, in my heart and in my mind, she, she showed up. In my heart and in my mind, uh, Angel, <laughs> although he was full on rocking that 70s beard and that feathered hair and I was feeling it. I was like, bring this guy, give him a contract. I like him. I like it. I like the feeling. Makes me feel like I'm in the 70s watching, you know, the first episodes of Weiner. Uh, but in my in my heart, I think it would have been better if we could have replaced his his character with Catherine Chancellor. Okay, everybody, time for me to get going. I really appreciate again everybody's awesome comments for me this week, and I and I really hope that you continue to comment. It does make a difference to me. So feel free to call into the voicemail at 309-588-4569 and you can leave a voice comment or you could go to yrchat.com. You could leave um a text comment there. You could leave text comments on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. All of those links are available at yrchat.com. Um, however you would like to contact me, I always love hearing from you. Okay, everybody. Wow. Have a good week, and uh, we'll see where we are next week. I'm wondering if we're closing in on the Adam identity reveal. I don't know. And, and how long is it going to be before we see Nikki again? How long will she technically be at rehab? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure all will be revealed. <laughs> all right. Love you guys. Bye.